Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. God's good. So you think of Jesus and you think of his story, his life, his death on the cross. And we looked at uh, about a month ago, the women in our Bible study group, we looked at the story of a Samaritan woman who was on her way to draw water from a well in the Gospel of John. And I'm going to speak a little bit about this woman today. You see, her story up until that point was not a great one. She had lots of things going against her. First of all, she was a Samaritan, which in Jewish culture, if you were a Samaritan, you were at the bottom of the ranks. See, Israel was conquered many years ago by Assyria. They invaded Israel and they overtook them. And they, thinking we've got children in our service today, they didn't do very nice things to the women that they captured the Jewish women, and so these Jewish women bore the children of the Assyrians, and so they were half-caste. So the Jewish people looked upon the Samaritans as the worst of the worst. They were their reminder that Israel once was defeated. They were the reminder that their women were assaulted. They were reminded that in that moment they were not victorious. And the Samaritans were the remnant of that defeat. They were the ultimate shame. So here is this woman who is a Samaritan and she's a woman, which in the day and the culture and the time, you were a Samaritan, you're on the bottom of the list. If you're a woman, you're equally the bottom of the list. You know, you didn't have a lot going for you. There weren't a lot of opportunities for you in the time. And here is this woman that we read in the passage who's got or has had multiple husbands. And we chatted in our um, Bible study group that as we read this and as I've read it many a times, I've looked poorly upon this woman and I've thought, oh, how many husbands, hard enough having one husband, how many husbands can you have? And again, in the time and the culture, she would have been looked down upon and frowned upon so heavily because of how many husbands that she had. And we were talking about a, a wonderful podcast that I had listened to saying that the woman actually was probably quite upstanding for her time as much as she could have been. Because if she was a woman who was not marriage material, men actually wouldn't have offered in that time and culture to marry her. So maybe there was something about her that men didn't want to stay married to her. And we talked about the very possibility that maybe this woman couldn't have children. And so her husbands, because in the time, if you didn't have kids, that was a big shame upon you and upon your family. So here's this woman who potentially also can't have children. And so the stigma and the shame and the rejection and the disappointment and the failures upon this woman's life are huge. And this is her story and this is her life and this is her pain. You know, the Bible says that at noon she goes to draw water from the well. And in the time in Sika where she lived, the women did draw water from the well, but they never did it at noon because it was so hot. And the work was so laboursome in getting the water from the bottom of that well and bringing it up that the, woman, the women would go 
early in the morning. But this woman always went at noontime. And I believe she did that because she didn't want the shame and the scorn and the gossip of the other women at the world who would be looking down upon her. She would rather the heat of the noonday sun than the heat of these women who were also probably Jewish women who again were looking down upon her for being a Samaritan woman. And her whole story is just clothed in sadness and pain. But she makes a journey that day. And when she arrives, there is a Jewish man sitting at the well. And he goes this way. And and we chatted in our Bible study that we believe that Jesus was so intentional about his journey to the well that day. You know, he knows beginning from end. Yes, he was a man, but still God. He knew that she would be there. And he knew that he had the power to transform her life, to change her story, to remove her sin and her shame and her guilt, to take away the rejection that she felt, that she searched for in these men, but could only be found in the healing power that Jesus was going to bring to her life. So here she comes and she encounters this Jewish man. The Bible says that he is tired for ministry sitting by the well. And he introduces himself, I guess, in the first bit by saying, hey, would you mind getting me some water? And she is baffled by his question because Jewish men were not allowed to talk to Samaritan women. So she's thinking culturally, what is this guy? Is he not all there? Because he's actually not allowed to talk to me and I'm not allowed to talk to him. But Jesus doesn't care about the rituals, about the religion. He cares about relationship and he cares about transforming her broken life in only a way that he could do. So he asks for water and she's like, oh, this is is a bit weird. And Jesus goes on to talk about how he is the living water, that if she, if she would just drink from the water that he gave, which is not a physical water, but a spiritual water, that she would never thirst again. And here was this woman thirsting for acceptance, thirsting for love, thirsting for something that no man could give her, thirsting for that certainly the women in the morning who were not the nicest, certainly were not offering her. She was looking for something else and his name was Jesus. You know, Jesus goes on to tell her, well, ask her some tricky questions. You know, why don't you go get your husband? And she's like, oh, I don't actually have a husband. Jesus says, no, you're right. The person that you're with now, he's not even your husband, but you've had multiple husbands before that. And she's like, oh, who is this man that tells me you know, and she goes on to say, oh, did you know that, that there's coming, soon there's coming a man, a Messiah. And Jesus says, it's him, I am the Messiah that you're speaking to. And you know, she joyfully, she leaves her cistern there. She takes off, she goes back into the city to the people who rejected her, to the people who despised her, to the people who judged her, to tell them all about this man that she just met sitting at the well. A man that did not shame her. You know, if if someone told me about all my sins, I would not be running into town to which I'd be so embarrassed that I would not be running into town to tell anyone about what a prophet or a messiah had told me 
but she was not embarrassed. Her, his words were bringing life to her. The, the dead on the inside was coming alive with a new vibrancy because the Messiah had spoken words of life into her soul. And she went to tell um, her town and her city about him. She was downcast and downtrodden. Her failures and disappointments were on display for everyone to see but Jesus. But Jesus, and it's the same for you and I. Our failures, our disappointments, our humiliation, our embarrassment, our brokenness, all of it on display and some of it not on display. Some of it's so hidden deep within our hearts. But Jesus, an encounter with Him changes everything. A word from Him changes everything and it brings healing and it brings life. And that is what we celebrate today on Good Friday, that even when all looked lost, even when everything looked disappointing, even when there looked like there was no hope and everything had gone dark and grey, there was still hope. And Jesus longs that you and I would be transformed continually by the power of the cross This is not just a day to celebrate Good Friday and then we go away and our lives not continually be transformed. Whether you're here today for a baptism and you're like, oh, I'm not even a Christian, or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, it doesn't matter. He longs to transform your life every single day. He died a horrible, gruesome death that you and I, like we sang today, would live in victory, that our failures and disappointments, that our sin would be removed from us as far as the east is from the west. That is how far He has removed our sin from us because of the cross. He's removed our shame and our guilt and our sin. In Hebrews 12, 2 to 3, it says this, We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition for sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't be worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Jesus considered it joy to go to the cross and face the agony because He knew it was the only way. It was the only way that you and I could be restored into right relationship with the Father. It was the only way that you and I don't have to be worn down and cave in under life's pressures. I love that. He endured the cross and He conquered its humiliation. And Dan and I were talking yesterday. He was saying two nights ago, he went running with a friend. They went running in the dark and he tripped on a paving thing. And I've done this before where it's the constant fall before you fall, you know, you can't grab your feet from underneath you. And it's like your top two, you know how kids fall all the time because their heads just are heavy and big and they just kind of topple over. And he was saying, you know, a six foot, two and a half, decent sized man went down pretty well. And I said, I've done that before in Woolworths, the same thing, tripped over a cord, the same thing, my feet were going, going and it was slow-mo, this is going to happen. I'm going to fall in front of all these other shoppers and this is going to be 
embarrassing, like very embarrassing. And the cross for Jesus was not just embarrassing, it was complete humiliation. It was the worst way to die back then. It was the ultimate humiliation out in front of everyone, dying a brutal death. But he considered it joy for you and for I, that we would know him, that we could be restored into relationship with the Father. And it's the only way, like Ken preached last weekend, it's the only way to get to the Father. You know, the saying, many roads lead to Rome. It's a lie. It's not true. There is only one way and his name is Jesus. He is the door. And when we open that door, we come into relationship with him. You know, I feel like Jesus sympathised with the Samaritan woman. I feel like he knew that he too was going to be facing rejection He knew that he was going to be facing ridicule. He knew that the people who should have been on his team were going to betray him. He knew that people wouldn't believe in him, wouldn't understand his mission. And he saw that all within this woman. He saw it within her. In Isaiah 53, 3 to 5, it says that he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought that his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sin. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. What a powerful, I love this translation of this scripture in Isaiah, that he bore it all for you and for I. He was beaten so that you could be whole. He was stripped down into ultimate poverty that you and I could gain the richest, richest, richest inheritance, which is him. He was whipped so we could be healed and whole. He was rejected and despised so that we could be included, that we could be grafted in, that we could belong. And He is King Jesus and He deserves all of our praise today because He bore upon Himself your sin and mine. That should have been us upon that cross with the own punishment of our own sin. But He took it as a sacrificial lamb upon Himself. He took upon Himself the whole weight of all of humanity so that we could have an opportunity to live freely and wholly and victoriously. And like this Samaritan woman, we should have the greatest joy inside our hearts that we cannot help but to have overflow that when we're in conversations with people, when we're talking to people about how we can have peace, even though they there is chaos in our lives. It should spill over about the goodness of God, about how we too had a broken story of rejection, of shame, of sin, of disgrace, of all of it. But we had an encounter with a man sitting by a well who spoke life and spoke healing and spoke freedom into our life. How we too were rejected, but the sacrifice of the cross means that we are grafted in. Our whole story changes. Our Sunday begins where the sun comes out again. 
You know, we've had so much rain. How depressing has it been? Like, seriously, I could never live in England. I was thinking that. I could never live in the UK where it rains a lot because after about four days, I was like, I'm seriously depressed. What is wrong with me? I need some vitamin D and some sunshine. And if soccer is cancelled and soccer training is cancelled one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. And if I've got to do, any school teachers will know, if I've got to do one more indoor duty, I'm literally going to have no children left in my class because I'm walking out if I've got to do one more indoor duty and watch another G-rated show with my year six kids. They're like, this is boring. I'm like, I know, just, just hang in there. But once that sun comes out and it hits your face and it hits your back, that's what it's like coming into relationship with Jesus. It isn't always easy. It isn't always perfect. But there is sun on my soul, even on the darkest of days, because He has been so faithful and kind to me. Matt, I might get you to come back. And in a moment, we're going to take communion together. And I don't really know how it's going to work because we haven't done, how long? Maybe like nearly two and a half, three years. Maybe we haven't done communion. So if it's a bit clunky, there's forgiveness in the house today. We're talking about how Jesus forgives us. Don't touch all the pieces. Just touch the piece that you want to eat today. We'll do it. COVID safe still as best as we can. So I might have the ushers start to hand out the emblems. And as they do that today, you know, maybe you're in church today and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're in church today and you once have, but your heart's grown cold, even though you might come to church every single Sunday. As you hold the emblems in your hand, don't partake of them yet. We'll do that together. Allow the sun to shine on your soul again. And the sun, S-O-N. Allow him to intervene. Allow him to be the author of your story. To change and to transform your heart. To revive you to energise you, to take away your humiliation, the things that you've faced in your life, in your past, that A, you're either not proud of or B, you had no control of, but things that have happened anyway and you carry the weight of those things. Allow them to be lifted off in the presence of Jesus today because he died this death so that you could live freely and lightly, healed and whole. And you know, it won't all be perfect until we meet Him that day in the sky. But this life can still be amazing, can still be filled with joy and peace. There is a future for you. You know, this woman probably didn't consider that she had much of a future no husband at the time, no children, a despised Samaritan woman. When she looked at her life, she probably didn't see a future. But when she encountered Jesus, it all changed. And today you can encounter him. He's not here in a physical sense. You can't see him, but his presence is here. The whole, he left, when he left to go back to heaven, he gave us the greatest gift, which is the Holy Spirit to lead us, to teach us, to guide us, to comfort us. And the Holy Spirit is here today, the presence of God to surround us, 
to meet with us, to open our eyes for our need of Jesus, because all of us need Him. All of us have sinned and fallen short of His glory. None of us can live up to the standard, but because of Jesus, we are cleansed. We are made right in His sight. We don't have to strive. This is not something you have to strive or struggle for today. The gift of salvation is free to you. So once you've got your emblems, why don't you close your eyes and we'll wait for everybody to be served so you don't have to rush or panic. But for those who have been served today, even in your own heart, because you know where you're at in your relationship with God, just speak to Him in your own heart, in your own mind. Say, Jesus, I need this life. I need this joy. I need this forgiveness of sins. I need my shame that weighs me down, the guilt that I carry to be lifted off. I need to experience the freedom that you bought for me on the cross. For those needing physical healing today, by his stripes, you are healed. For those who need emotional healing today, by his stripes, you are healed. For those suffering with depression and anxiety today, by his stripes, you are healed. You are made right in his sight. Receive the free gift today. So Jesus, we thank you for the cross, the ultimate sacrifice that you endured, the agony of the cross, knowing it was the only way that we could be redeemed. It's our second and our third and our fourth and our fifth and our 600th and our 7,000th chance. And yes, we fall short and yes, we slip back and yes, we don't always get it right, but you are there time and time and time again to welcome us back. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that has never lost its power and today it saves you and it heals you and it redeems you. We thank you for redemption's story and just like this Samaritan woman whose whole life was turned around and redeemed by an encounter with Jesus, so too can our lives. Jesus, we can't thank you enough for saving us, for rescuing us, for loving us and caring about us, for giving us a hope and a future. Without you, we would be so lost and so empty and so broken. But with you, Jesus, because of the cross, we have life and we have eternity in our sights and in our hearts. Lord, we weren't worthy of your sacrifice. God, thank you for sending your only son to die for every single person in this room today. Just praise Him this morning, church. 
Allow your own praise to rise to King Jesus this morning who took it all upon Himself, all of your sin, all of your brokenness, all of your emptiness. He took it upon Himself that you could be healed and whole and forgiven. And we honour you this morning, God. Thank you for this cross, for this love. No greater love has any man than this, that he would lay down his life. We thank you for a surrendered life. And in return, we surrender our lives to the only true God, to the only one worthy of all of our praise and all of our affection and all of our devotion. God, we adore you. You know, in your own time just now, just partake of your communion, thanking him and worshipping him for his great love, for his great sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Worship him this morning, church, as you take it. Let a praise arise in your heart. He gave it all. He's worthy today. We thank you, Jesus. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.